The year is 2013. You log onto Twitter and see a picture of Miley Cyrus and her newly shaved head as she begins to enter her bangers era. You start to cry and wonder, what happened to Hannah Montana? Hello everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of Platinum and Gold. I am your host, Adam the Flop, and if you've been enjoying this podcast and want to see more, make sure to subscribe to it and rate it five stars on whatever platform that you use. This will help both me and you because you'll know whenever a new episode comes out. I'm so excited for this episode because I feel like it's a topic that I'm so passionate about, which is ex-Disney stars turned main pop girls. Basically, a lot of ex-Disney stars had similar stories about how they went from Disney to becoming a super famous pop star. But Olivia Rodrigo, who's a more recent Disney star, has a very different story from her Disney peers. So I'm going to be going through multiple ex-Disney stars and how they became super famous after Disney and then say how Olivia Rodrigo's story is different. Now back to Miley Cyrus, because I do want to start with her. Miley Cyrus was only 13 years old when Hannah Montana premiered on Disney, and this show allowed her to become super well-known for both her singing and acting. Viewers would watch her every week on Hannah Montana, but since the show would also play her songs from the soundtrack, people would want to buy them and listen to them, because let's be honest, they were all bops. But while Miley was on the show, she signed a record deal with Hollywood Records, which is Disney's record label. At the time, you were the shit if you were a Disney star signed to Hollywood Records. I mean, everyone would buy your music. Everyone wanted to be you. You really were ruling the world. I think about the artists that Hollywood Records produced even before Miley Cyrus, like Raven Simone, Hilary Duff, Ali and AJ, the Jonas Brothers. Like all these artists were super big in their music careers at one point. So the label was making a lot of money. And here comes 13-year-old Miley Cyrus in 2006. And she quickly became one of Hollywood Records' biggest artists. Aside from all of the songs that were on the soundtrack of Hannah Montana, Miley also began her own music career and had some pretty big hits. Both of those songs went top 10 on the Billboard Hot 100, with Seven Things peaking at number 9 and Party in the USA peaking at number 2. So imagine being Miley Cyrus and being two main pop girls at once. Like she was having all these hits as Hannah Montana, but also starting to blossom as Miley Cyrus as well. I remember that album that she released called Hannah Montana Meet Miley Cyrus. And it was basically half of herself as Hannah Montana but then she also introduced herself as Miley Cyrus and was like, hey, I'm ready to start my career as the biggest pop superstar. So by the time Hannah Montana ended in 2011, Miley already had so many hits, but it was time for her to change her image and kind of just completely detach herself from Disney. You can tell she had already been trying to do this a little bit because she had that one iconic video leak of her smoking a bong in 2010. And that year, she also did her album Can't Be Tamed, which was still released under Hollywood Records, but was definitely a little bit more of an explicit era than her previous albums. But by 2013, she had officially parted ways with Disney. She was no longer doing Hannah Montana. She was also no longer signed to Hollywood Records. So she signed a new deal with RCA Records and started her bangers era. 
So I studied advertising in college and we would always talk about brands trying to rebrand themselves and expand their audience. But I honestly believe that no brand or person has done this better than Miley Cyrus in 2013. Like I remember so many people were hating on her when she first released that picture of her with the short hair and when she first released We Can't Stop, which was the lead single off of Bangers. But and I mean, myself included, I remember during this time, I was so sad. I was like, what is going on? Like, I just want Hannah Montana back. But I was also only 13 years old. You know, I didn't understand that she was just trying to move on completely from Disney. But now looking back, I think that was the smartest decision that she could ever make. She was 21 years old during this time, which I think was the perfect age for her to do this era because I feel like 21-year-olds in general just like to go crazy a little bit. I mean, I'm 21 and I definitely plan on starting a bangers era soon because of Miley Cyrus. But I think that she executed this era perfectly by posting just a picture of her with shorter hair and getting people so mad that she cut her hair and then releasing We Can't Stop as the lead single off of Bangers, which was a song about drugs, alcohol, and partying, and then releasing Wrecking Ball, which was more of a ballad, slower song, but in the video, she was naked, so it was a little bit more controversial. And Wrecking Ball did become her first number one hit on the Billboard Hot 100. I came in like a So to me, that just shows that even though she had so much hate during this era and people really did not like her new image, it wasn't affecting the sales of her songs at all because everything that she was releasing was still going number one. Even though she was super famous before the Bangers era, I don't think she would be nearly as big as she is today if it weren't for that era. Because if you think about it, if she would have continued releasing the same music that she released on Disney Channel, even after leaving Hannah Montana, it just wouldn't have worked for her because her audience was growing up. So even though her audience probably wasn't old enough to start drinking and doing drugs and the things that she was doing, they were old enough to maybe start listening to that type of music. Overall, I think the Bangers album is just one of the most timeless albums of all time. I think people are always going to be talking about it. Miley Cyrus has always been the moment and she knows how to forever be the moment. Now we're going to talk about Selena Gomez and how she transitioned from being a Disney star to a pop star. Now, Selena Gomez's story of how she started doing music is very interesting, and this is because of Selena Gomez and The Scene, which is a band that Disney had her start out in when she was acting on Wizards of Waverly Place. Just like Miley Cyrus, she signed with Hollywood Records while acting on her show at a very young age, but she did not sign as a solo artist. She signed as a member of Selena Gomez and The Scene. I remember this would confuse me so much when I was younger because it was basically just Selena Gomez and then occasionally there would be some random men appearing in her music videos, which were the other members of the band The Scene. But I'm assuming Disney just wanted her to appear different from other stars like Miley Cyrus and Demi Lovato. So they thought having Selena Gomez in The Scene as opposed to just Selena Gomez would be cool. 
either way, Selena Gomez in the scene produced so many bops, and I'm not mad that that band happened. Selena released three full albums with the scene before becoming an official solo artist in 2013. Come and Get It was the first song Selena released as Selena Gomez, and it served as the lead single of her album Stars Dance. Even though this album was still released under Hollywood Records, I think that Come and Get It was her moment when she started to detach herself just a little bit from Disney. This is because the song just had more sensual lyrics than anything that she had released before, and it did work out for her because it became her first top 10 hit on the Billboard Hot 100, peaking at number six. She did split from Hollywood Records the following year and signed a new record deal with Interscope Records, which definitely helped her start releasing more mature music. I think the moment she started becoming a full-on main pop girl was when she started her revival era in 2015. Gonna wear that dress you like skin tight, do my hair Good For You served as a lead single off of Revival, and it was definitely scandalous sounding. Even the music video was a little bit scandalous. So I think it was the perfect way for her to start this era. To this day, I think it's one of her best songs, and at the time, it became her biggest hit peaking at number five on the Hot 100. Aside from the song Good For You, she was also naked on the Revival album cover, which definitely is something that she would not have done on Disney, but was so iconic of her to do to start this new chapter of her music career. This era in general was just super big for her. I mentioned before how Good For You hit number five, but she also had two more top 10 hits with Same Old Love, which peaked at number five, and Hands To Myself, which peaked at number seven. So I think that her releasing Come And Get It as her first official single outside of Selena Gomez in the scene was a smart move because she wasn't completely detaching herself from her Disney image. I mean, she was still signed under Hollywood Records, but... She wasn't on Wizards of Waverly Place anymore, and she knew that her contract was ending soon with Hollywood Records, so she was probably just preparing to start a music career where she can make more mature music. Now it's time to talk about Demi Lovato and how they went from being in a popular Disney show and movie to being a big pop star. So Demi Lovato signed with Hollywood Records while filming Camp Rock, which was their big breakthrough moment on Disney Channel. The popularity Demi received from Camp Rock definitely transitioned pretty quickly into their music career because the same year Camp Rock came out, they also released their first album, Don't Forget, which peaked at number two on the Billboard 200. Demi's story with Hollywood Records and Disney is a little bit different because they released four official albums under just Hollywood Records, and then in 2015, they signed a joint deal with Hollywood Records and Island Records to release their album, Confident. By this time, Demi was no longer affiliated with Disney Channel. They were just signed to Hollywood Records, but I think signing that joint deal with Island Records was definitely beneficial because they were able to make more mature sounding songs such as Cool for the Summer.
Cool for the Summer was an absolute bop. It was the lead single off of the album Confident, and I think that the song and album in general were Demi's big moment of becoming a pop star. Demi ended up staying with Hollywood Records until 2018, which I really don't understand because at that point, it had been years since they last appeared on Disney Channel. So I don't know if it was just the contract, maybe they were stuck in it for a long period of time, but either way, they were still able to make music that they wanted to make when signing with Island Records. What's wrong with being, what's wrong with being, what's wrong with being confident? Uh-huh. What's wrong with being, what's wrong with being, what's wrong with being confident? Uh-huh. Okay, so the latest Disney star to have a very successful music career was Olivia Rodrigo. Her story of how she became a pop star is very unique because unlike these other Disney stars turned pop stars, Hollywood Records had nothing to do with Olivia's music career, which is probably a good thing. In 2019, Olivia began starring as Nini in High School Musical and Musical the series, and one of the producers from the show asked if she would be willing to write her own song for her character, and she came back to set with this song. And I say that I'm through, but this song's still for you. All I want is love that lasts, is all I want to All I Want became pretty popular on TikTok and it also became her first chart entry on the Hot 100, peaking at number 90. After seeing the success of the song, multiple record labels started reaching out to Olivia and she ended up signing with Interscope and Geffen Records in 2020 because they wanted to prioritize her songwriting, which is very important to her. She spent the rest of that year working on music and then in January of 2021, she released her official debut single. Even though it was her debut, the song Driver's License blew up instantly because not only was it a good song, but also everyone was talking about it on TikTok and how it was supposedly about her co-star Joshua Bassett. But it debuted at number one on the Hot 100 and launched Olivia into stardom. By the time she released her debut album Sour in May of that year, she was already super famous, which allowed that album to also debut at number one on the Billboard 200. The reason I said that it's probably a good thing why she didn't sign with Hollywood Records is because the label just doesn't produce stars anymore. The last artists to get really famous who were signed to the label were Miley, Selena, and Demi. But regarding Olivia's story, you can tell that she wants to keep her music and acting careers completely separate. Everyone thought that she was going to leave High School Musical the Musical the series once she became famous, but she's still going to appear on the next season, which means that she still cares about acting and still cares about Disney. And I think it's really smart that she's keeping them separate because she makes music that does not sound like it's coming from a Disney star. And this is because she curses in her songs and some of her songs are more pop rock sounding that Disney would just never play on their channel. At the end of the day, she's still a Disney star and I think it's kind of iconic that she's doing that while being one of the biggest pop stars in the world. Even though we're talking about Disney stars here, I just wanted to mention that I feel like Olivia's story is very similar to Ariana Grande's story of how she went from being a childhood star to a pop star. 
because Ariana was still acting on Nickelodeon when she released her debut album, Yours Truly, in 2013, but this album was definitely not an album that sounds like it's coming from a childhood star. It was very R&B. The lead single was featuring Mac Miller, so she was definitely getting into her sound a little bit more, which is something that Olivia's been doing with her album, Sour. It's definitely a risky thing to do because if you're acting on a show whose target audience consists of children and young teens, but your music does not cater to those audiences at all, it's like, okay, how are you going to find a new audience for that music? But honestly, with social media and TikTok, it is so easy now for artists to develop their audiences and to expand the reach by so much. And that's exactly how Olivia essentially got a new audience was through people sharing her song on TikTok. But obviously TikTok didn't exist back in the earlier Disney days and social media wasn't nearly as popular as it is today. So it was harder for ex-Disney stars to grow outside of the network. So even though Miley, Selena, and Demi had some hit songs while appearing on Disney Channel, they weren't able to fully blossom into pop stars until after leaving their Disney shows. I think this shows how different it is being a Disney star in 2022 versus being a Disney star in 2008 because they would have never been able to do what Olivia's doing. Their singing and acting careers were always linked in some sort of way with Disney playing their music on commercial breaks on the channel and them sort of having the same fan base for their singing careers as they did on their Disney Channel shows. Because Miley, Selena, and Demi were all signed under Disney while starting out their music careers, Disney was most likely making all the decisions on what songs they would release and record. Whereas with Olivia, she writes all of her music and owns her masters, so she does have a lot of creative control. The music industry has changed a lot since Miley, Selena, and Demi's Disney days, and what was a hit probably would not be a hit song today, so it's for the best that Olivia's doing her own thing and creating non-Disney sounding music. You guys, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I love talking about Disney stars and pop girls. So when I get to talk about them both at once, I'm really happy. Again, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and rate it five stars on whatever platform that you use. And I will talk to you all next week.